This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. And alhamdulillahi na'hmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'gfiru wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati amalina. من يهده الله فلا مضل له من يدلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمد عبده ورسوله صلوات الله وسلامه عليه تسليما كثيرا أما بعض فإن خير الكلام كلام الله وخير الهدى هدى رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محتثاتها وكل محتثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ضلالة في النار What was collected by Imam Ahmed and Al-Tirmidhi and Imam Al-Nasai on the authority of Abu Huraira May Allah be pleased with him and also with what was collected by Imam Al-Nasai as well as Abu Dawood, Rahmatullah alayhima, on the authority of Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa ala alayhi wa sallam saw a man who was praying, and in one narration it said he passed by Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas. May Allah be pleased with him. And he saw the man in the tashahud, raising two fingers up. Or more than two fingers. Different narrations. When the Prophet ﷺ witnessed him praying like that, he told him these two words. Ahid, ahid. Which means, make the dua with one finger. Not with two, not with three or not with more than that, but make it with one finger. So today's hadith of the kalimatan of the 40 hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam constitute two words, but in reality it's the same word. Ahid, ahid. And that is the fi'lul amr, telling someone to make it one, make it one. And again, the sabab or the reason behind the hadith is simple, it's clear. That he wanted to teach the man the correct way to make the tashahud and also the correct way in terms of praying. As he told the people, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sallu kama ra'aytamuni usalli. Pray the way you have seen me praying. Don't pray just any way that comes to your mind. I think anybody who is a member of any masjid, your local masjid, like in Leeds, Masjid al-Rahmah, it's my local masjid, for the most part. I want everybody who prays in that masjid to pray according to the sunnah. So it becomes my responsibility that anytime I see something or I hear something that's not correct, to try to give dawah to that situation, especially if I'm claiming a salafi in the sunnah. Because we want to spread of the sunnah. Not with this existence where I'm better than you and you're no good and I'm the cream of the crop and not that stuff. 
It's like El Islam. We want El Islam for all of the people. But in regards to the Salat uh, for the Muslims, you come from a masjid, and I don't know about you, I've traveled in different places across the globe, and I found that there are some masajid that are on the Sunnah in Indonesia, in Malaysia, in Singapore, in different parts of the Muslim world, in Africa, in Sudan, that people are in that masjid, and that's their local masjid, and they have izzah. This is our masjid. This is where we pray. And so we're like a family, so we're not going to hold back from teaching people how to pray, from the old and the young, from the new and the people who are reverts, from those who know and those who don't know. Green A masjid? People pray here, they don't give a damn. They don't care. Just leave people, pray how you want to pray. Dress how you want to dress. And that's not the mentality of the Muslim as it relates to any masjid in the dunya and as it relates to his brothers and his sisters. And this is one of the main benefits of this hadith. It shows where the Prophet told the people, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Balligu Anni Walu Ayat. Tell people about me, even if it's one ayah. Those little kids, part of the Islamic heritage that we should try to teach them is that as they grow, they're giving da'wah Allah. Not how we have in our community. Everybody feels nafsi, nafsi, I'm safe. I don't have to give da'wah. What kind of deen is that? The Prophet mentioned, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Tell people about me if it's only one small thing. Because that small thing is a big thing in Al-Islam, as you're going to see, inshallah. None of you should see and look at anything that's from this deen. If it's the haqq, it's ma'roof, don't look at it as being insignificant. You're coming to a class like this to sit between Maghrib and and Isha, or between after Isha for an hour, 45 minutes. Only Allah knows what that is in the scales. It's more virtuous than being on Coventry Road, feeding somebody food, which is also virtuous. But what about the people who found themselves in different parts of this city, Birmingham, and they're wilding out, getting high, smoking, drinking, zina, not praying. Clearly the one who was in the masjid is getting a lot of rewards and he's not really doing much. He's just sitting there, just relaxing. He chose to stay in this masjid for a few extra minutes just to hear what was being said. All of the khayr from that is tremendous. So the Nabi of Islam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he never could see something that's wrong. His sunnah is, if anything was wrong and it was being done, in his presence, being said, in his presence, being witnessed, it was wajib upon him to say, no, don't do that. Because if he was quiet, it means that this thing is permissible. So when he saw his companion doing that, he said, don't do that. And he didn't mind, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what the condition was. He came and he saw a man praying the prayer. And then doing after the prayer, the man made a dua. And he said, Allahumma innahu inni as'aluka bi'anna lakal, bi'anna lakal hamd. La ilaha illa ant. Badi'u samawati wal arud. Ya dhal jal, jalali wal ikram. Ya hay, ya qayyum. And he made a dua. The Rasul saw him make the dua. 
heard him made the dua, and then he said, listen, you have just made a dua in which you mentioned the Ismullah Al-A'zam, the greatest name of Allah. You made that dua. So by hearing that, the man just went over his head. What were those names? So now the man is walking around making dua with what he understands to be one of the greatest names, the greatest name of Allah. So the point here is, the Nabi never says, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the man just finished praying, let me let him make dhikr. No, he used to educate people and he used to teach people. Like in this case, ahid, ahid. People don't know how to hold their hands in this masjid. People don't know how to stand up for prayer in this masjid. People don't know from youngsters, from new reverse, even from people who just been here for some time. They just don't know. So you can never be one of those people who sit back and say, I let somebody else take care of it. I let the imam take care of it. Now, no doubt, there's a responsibility of the imma. That's why we're saying what we're saying. One brother came up to me before the prayer when I came in, and he was going off about the way some of the people are parking in the handicap zone and stuff like that. That's his hock to say that. That, hey, the way we park is madness. People are coming up and down the street with their prams. They have to get in the pram because someone wanted to come to the masjid. What kind of prayer is that? What kind of salat is that? That you park, park on the on the curb, the sidewalk, a lady has to come, take her baby pram with her other children, go into the street to go around your car while you're making salat. No. You have to get here earlier. You have to go in a car park at Morrison's. You have to park in a way where you love for your brother what you love for yourself. The point is, that brother come in to make that point. It's part of his responsibility. It's part of his responsibility. Maybe he won't know who that person is, so we'll say it over the mic. But the shahid from the Kanam is, in your local masjid, the one you pray Fajr in, the masjid where you go to most of the time, make it part of your responsibility to educate the people. And there is nothing more important to educate the people in after the Tawheed of Allah than this prayer. Than this prayer. There is nothing more important that I can talk to you about and educate you about after the Tawheed of Allah than the prayer. First thing you're going to be asked about Yom Al-Qiyamah is this prayer, this Salah. So when you see people, they're not... That, and you know in some of our messages, Ikhwani, a person can be facing to other than the Qibla, and people will leave them like that. Because they say, that's not my job. I'm not the Imam. I'm not the one who teaches. And you leave them facing to the Qibla. No. An individual like that, you take them and you face them towards the Qibla. Someone is praying in the masjid and he's always saving the same spot. It's your job to go to him and say, Rasulullah said, don't pray in the same spot of the masjid all the time. You can't make someone come and get up and get out of the spot and you get, you gotta make these kinds of taswibat. Alakullin, concerning this tremendous hadith, ikhwani, we know Abu Hurara narrated the hadith, but Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, I wanna take a few minutes so that inshallah, I put a feather in your cap that you go back and you read about this man. If someone said to you, what do you know about Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas? What do you know? And we went around this room, you should know that this is one of the perennial companions of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Many people don't know him. Many people don't know him. He was one of the ten people that was promised al-Jannah. 
The Ashratul Mubashshareen. That means he's the, from the best of the companions. As it relates to the Muslims, no one preceded him to Al-Islam other than Abu Bakr from the men, Uthman, Abu Bakr, Ali, and Zayd ibn Haritha. Those are the three people who preceded him to Islam from the men. So he's from the Sabiqeen al-Awwaleen, Min al-Muhajireen, from those first people. Also concerning him is that Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas never missed any of the jihads with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, which in and of itself is an indication of his virtues. Because not every companion was able to participate in the jihad with the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Some of them were in Muslims at that time. Some of them were on the side of the kuffar at that time. Some of them had reasons not to attend. But Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas attended every single jihad of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And we don't know about him. From Sa'ad ibn Waqqas, his virtues is that when Umar was about to die, may Allah be pleased with him, Umar became the Khalifa after Abu Bakr. Now Umar is going to die. Umar said, I want you to carry and bring forth four people, Uthman, Ali, Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, and Abdurrahman ibn Awf. And the community you choose from amongst these people, you choose one of them to be the Khalifa. So he was Ahl, he was competent, qualified to be the Khalifa. And many other things about him. He is a tremendous companion. One of the main wars that the companions fought is the war of Al-Qadasiyah against the Persians. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas was the leader of that army. And he conquered the Madain of Kisra, the lands of the Persians. He was at the head of that. Tremendous mujahid. He was the first human being who shot an arrow fi sabirillah. You think he was a joke? Now we're the joke because some of us can't get up for Salatul Fajr. We can't praise Fajr in time. We can't get Salatul Asr in time when the uh, season is short. Sa'd ibn Abu Waqqas shot the first arrow. In addition to that, he was the one who conquered and built Kufa. He was a tremendous companion. And he's someone we should know about. If you hear Abu Huraira Hadith, and that's what your head goes to, that's no problem. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas is one of those personalities we owe a great debt of gratitude. Thank Allah for his services and for his uh, contributions. Radiallahu anhu. And there's other stuff about the man. Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas used to tell the people a number of ayat of the Quran were revealed because of him. And he was proud of that. And why not? There are some ayahs that have been revealed about us, but they're indirect. Those general ayat about the believing men and the believing women, may Allah Azrajal make us of them. And may Allah cause us to check out and die. We're from the mu'minin and the mu'minat. But Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, he had not one ayat, two ayat, three ayat, four ayat that were revealed because of him. And he used to say that. That by itself is a delil of his virtue. 
especially when you look at the subject matter of those ayat, like his mother who he was very close to and he loved her and she loved him. And she used to try to blackmail him to become a kafir and to leave Al-Islam. And Sa'd ibn Abi Waqas, with respect, told his mother, listen, if you don't want me to be a Muslim, then that's your issue. I'm never going to lose Al-Islam. He was on that thing that the Prophet talked about, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There are three things that if you do these three things, you will taste the sweetness of Al-Iman. Al-Imam has halawa. You'll taste it in your mouth, in your heart. First one is, you love Allah and His Messenger, and you love them more than anything else and everybody else. Second of all, is you love a person, and you love them only for Allah. That's why you love them. So that's going to position you to give advice. That's going to position you not to be quiet when you see them doing wrong. That's going to put, because you love them for Allah's cause. And the third one, and this is the point, Sa'd ibn Abi Waqqas, insha'Allah ta'ala, wa an yakra, an ya'ud fil kufr, ba'dan an qabahullahu minhu, kama yakra, an yuqthafa fil naar, that a man hates to go back into disbelief after Allah has saved him from kufr. He hates going back. He hates the same way that he hates being thrown into the fire. Who in his right mind wants to be thrown into a furnace? Who in his right mind? So that is what Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas was upon and what we hope, inshallah, all of us can be upon. You came to this religion, should hate to go back to kufr. That's why when people come and they start giving you dawah to nonsense, you shouldn't take it lightly. Shouldn't take that lightly. Some of us, our parents, were trying to make us the people of the hellfire. Our parents... They were doing it intentionally, but not knowing. Telling us that Jesus died for our sins and all that mess and that nonsense. Now you get on a religion and people from Al-Islam are going to come and teach you some nonsense? Nah, we're not drinking that Kool-Aid, no matter who's pouring it. No matter who made it, we're not drinking any of that Kool-Aid. We're going to be on this religion, inshallah, and that's why, Ikhwani, we have to be people who give nasihat to each other. Because no one person by himself, as the Prophet used to make dua, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Oh Allah, do not leave me to myself for the blink of one eye. For the blinking of one eye. The time it takes for a person to blink one eye, he can go astray. What is that? So in regards to the issue of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, he told his mother, you get 1,000 souls, you kill each one of them, one after another, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to leave Al-Islam. So Allah revealed the ayat of the Qur'an, وَإِن جَاهَدَاكَ عَلَىٰ أَن تُشْرِكَ بِي مَا لَيْسَ لَكَ بِعِلْمْ فَلَا تُتِعْهُمَا وَصَاحِبْهُمَا فِي الدُّنْيَا مَعْرُوفًا if your parents fight against you to make you, force you to make shit, don't listen to them. Don't listen to them. You don't have any knowledge about that. You don't have any sultan to do that. But be with them in the dunya with ma'roof. So our obedience to our husband, the obedience to our mother and our father, the obedience to the imam, the obedience to the khalifa, the obedience to the sheikh, the obedience to the mahdi, the obedience to everybody as it relates to us, two conditions. It is not open-ended. It is muqayyid. 
Our obedience is, we obey them in what's right, what's ma'roof. And we obey them in what we have the ability to do. We don't obey them in what's wrong. We don't obey them in what we don't have the ability to do. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqaz is a perfect example for the Muslim boy, the Muslim girl, the Muslim who finds himself in a situation where people put in pressure on you. Put in pressure on you to stop practicing. Put in pressure upon you to start drinking that Kool-Aid. For an example, you better say what I'm saying, you better do what I'm doing and drink this Kool-Aid laced with cyanide. Nah, man, I ain't drinking that Jim Jones Kool-Aid that you and your sheikh are upon, none of you. The other ayat and their meaning, and this is a tremendous ayat with Sa'ad as well. The Prophet wasallam was sitting with those poor companions, like our community. He was sitting with not the celebrities, not the people with a lot of money, not people with a lot of views and a lot of hits. He was sitting with Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, Bilal ibn Rabah, Suhaib al-Rumi, Salman, the Persian, Khabab ibn Arat, and Abdullah ibn Mas'ud. They were all poor. They weren't from the powerful people of Quraysh. And those non-Muslims came and said, we'll listen to you, and we want to hear your da'wah, ya Muhammad, under the condition you get rid of these poor ones from amongst you. This one is black, that one's from Persia. They're not the Arabs. Get them out of here. We don't want to sit with them. We don't want to sit with them and we don't want to smell them. That's how they were talking to the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam didn't look at those companions as being lesser than the non-Muslims. They have more izzah, more sharaf. They have the deen and they're not the same. They're not the same. And Allah revealed two ayahs for Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas and those companions. لا تطرد الذين يدعون ربهم بالغدات والعشي يريدون وجهها. Don't cause those people who sit with you and they make dua and make salat with you in the masjid and they live with you. Don't expel them from your sitting. They're praying in the night and the day. They're with you. ما عليك من حساب من شيء. You, Muhammad, you don't have anything to do with how Allah is going to judge these people. It's not your job to judge them. And they don't have anything with how Allah is going to judge you. Don't treat the Muslim bad for non-Muslims. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Know the position of the Muslim and the position of the non-Muslim. Anyway, that story in 2023 is an important story for all of us. Don't treat the non-Muslims better than you treat the Muslims. Don't be of those people. And how do we do that? Some of us, we're very gentle with them and very nice with them and very respectful and respectable towards them. And that's a good thing. But when it comes to the Muslims, as soon as we see him, we hate him. Because he's not from our masjid. He's not from our maslak. He's not from my country. So I have disdain for him. I won't give him salams. I suck my teeth when I see him. And I hate him because... He's not Salafi, for an example. He's not Hanafi, for not for my message, not my color. So Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas was a tremendous companion. As it relates to this hadith, Allah can be said. It shows how the deen of Allah is from Allah because everything in our deen has fiqh connected to it. A small issue that people see as being small, but in the deen of Allah, it is not small. 
And that's why we should never view these things as being insignificant because you never know how Allah is going to bless the effort of that particular thing. As it relates to the isharat, the isharat, there are many things that have been told in our religion the way Saad was making the ishara for the tashahud. From those isharat is that the Nabi prohibited us, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, from being like the Yahud. He said, do not be like the Yahud and do not wave when you give these salams. Don't wave like this, don't wave like that, don't wave at all. Some of the ulama said that that hadith is weak and it definitely has some problems to it. And Al-Bani said it was authentic, another said it was authentic. But if it is authentic, inshallah, the meaning of the hadith is, if someone is far away from you, never wave to them and you're just waving because that's what the Yahud do. But you have to combine that waving with saying, Assalamu alaikum, even if they don't hear you. Maybe they're not Muslims and they're driving and you want to allow them to go in front of you. Don't wave like that to get their attention. You say to them, go ahead, be my guest. Because the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with all of these isharat explained the religion. When they were praying, praying sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Bilal came in and while they were praying, they said, salamu alaykum from the door. Bilal says, salamu alaykum. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the prayer, along with the people in the prayer, he acknowledged that salam because he was praying sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He didn't say anything. But he acknowledged that salam by praying. So these small issues are not small in our deen. The Nabi told Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqaz radiallahu anhu in the tashahud, you should, as Abdullah ibn Umar said, as Wa'il ibn Hujr said, as Abdullah ibn Abbas said, when they described the tashahud of the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they said that he put his finky pinky finger there, he put his bansa there, and then he grabbed this one right here, and he used to make a ishara from the very beginning of at-tahiyyatu lillahi wa salawatu wa tayyibat all the way through. He didn't wait until he came to ashhadu an la ilaha, and then he moved it. He kept it straight, and he didn't move it. That hadith about moving it, it's a weak hadith. It's a hadith that's shaft, in my opinion. But if you don't believe that it is shaft and you want to move it, you move it. We don't make wala and bara on these masail. Al wala and bara on al masala. This lady right here wears niqab and this one doesn't. This one here, husband believes the niqab is wajib and this one doesn't. Can they hate each other based upon this issue? That can be seen both ways. Scholars took that position, scholars took that. We don't have wala and bara on these kinds of issues. Just as we don't have wala and bara on individuals. This individual, if you like him, I like you. If you don't like him, I don't like you. What are you talking about? That breaks down the brotherhood of Al-Islam. So the moving of the finger, the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, would hold these fingers like that and he would point his fingers straight from the beginning of Tahiyatulillah all the way to the end. All the way to the end. 
the ahnaf, our brothers from that masjid, from that madhab, of the opinion you shouldn't do that at all. But the hadith of the Prophet is clear, and this is one of them. The hadith of Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqqas, radiyallahu anhu, and may Allah Ta'ala be pleased with the other companions of the Nabi, sallallahu alayhi wa ala alihi wa sallam. A few things concerning this ishara. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to put his left hand on his left thigh, and he left it there, and he put the right finger, and that was the finger he made the tashahud inside of the prayer. And that is dua. And he said about this finger, lahiya, ashaddu ala shaitan min al-hadid. This, doing this with your hand, is more hurtful, more shadid against shaitan than you being equipped with an iron pole, a pipe to hit him because you're calling to a tawheed. You're calling to tawheed. You're establishing the oneness of Allah. The reason why you've been created. That's why we were created. That's why Allah sent all the messengers. That's why Allah created the Jannah and the Nar. That's why Allah Ta'ala sent prophets and messengers. So at that moment, this is one of the times, and it goes to show the severity and the seriousness of a Tawheed. It's that time during the day. The Prophet ﷺ also, outside of the prayer, he used to do that. On the day of the khutbah, when he got to, Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, he will put his finger up like that. Very seldom will you see that sunnah being practiced by the khutbah of Islam. Is it wajib? No. It's not wajib. But the khutbah, the member, is an amana. In the necks and the shoulders of the people who have these messages and the people who have access to them. So let's use the mimbar and the microphone of the mimbar in order to educate the people, to spread the sunnah and so forth and so on. As it relates to making dua, this is really important, Ikhwani, because I do remember brothers were very rough and tough in this issue. When you're young, the less knowledge you have, the more intolerant you are. The less knowledge you have, the more rougher and tougher you are. It's the people who don't have knowledge who are usually the ones who are the most, you know, the toughest to deal with. But the more information you get, the more experience you get, the calmer you become. And you allow people to have their opinions without that sparking up animosity between you and them. But I do remember one of the companions, his name is Amara. Amara ibn Ruwayba. He saw the man on the member and he was connected to the leaders, to the Khurafas. Name is Bashir ibn Mirwan. People who love takfir and make a takfir of the hukam. They love this kind of hadith. From the member, he made dua holding up his hands. And the companions saw him making that dua. And the companion said in front of the people, May Allah destroy both of your hands. He said, I saw when the Prophet was on the mimbar, whenever he made dua, he wouldn't do more than this. So when the Prophet made dua, he would put his finger up. So when brothers came across that hadith, people were very tough on that position. 
The imam raises his hand, you go and you tell him, that's a bid'ah, you shouldn't do it. Take it easy, Akhi. Take it easy. Take it easy. That hadith is authentic. But what the man saw from the companions, he's speaking on what he knows and what he said. Maybe he didn't know about the other hadith. Like the one where the Bedouin man came inside of Bukhari and he said, Ya Rasulullah, the drought is killing us. Make dua to Allah that the rain comes down. And he made dua. And it rained for seven days. And then this man came the next week, Ya Rasulullah, Ya Rasulullah, the rain is killing us. It's destroying our crops, everything. Make dua to make it stop. The Prophet put up his hand, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and said, Allahumma hawalayna. Wala alayna. Oh Allah, oh Allah, send to us the rain on the outskirts of Medina and don't put it on us. When he made salat al istisqa, asking Allah for the rain, he put his hands way up and he said, We saw the whiteness from under his armpit. So he's making dua. So don't be rough, don't be tough, take it easy, take it easy. So as it relates to the Nabi making dua, what's the dua? If he's going to say for an example, Allahumma anta razaqul quwwatul mateen alladhi tarzaq al-nas. So he shows the wahdani of Allah above the seven hermits. You're the one who does this, that, that, that. But if the person wants to make dua, Oh Allah, give us rain. Oh Allah, give us rain. Yeah, you could do that, Allah, send rain from the sky. But if the person puts his hands up, don't say that it's haram. It doesn't require all of that. And if you're of that opinion, put your point across to people and be tolerant after that. Take it easy. Be tolerant after that. So the Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he used to make dua inside of the prayer and outside of the prayer. Whenever you make the tashahud, put your finger up or even dua on the member as the companion said, radiallahu anhu. Last thing that we want to mention, Ikhwani, concerning the isharat is that you know, as I know, sign languages have become a way of communicating with people. So you have to understand that making signs and pulling faces, sometimes it is just as severe as saying it. So because a person didn't say something, but he did it with a movement in Al-Islam, is still serious. Pointing your finger like that is more shadid on shaitan, although it's just an ishara, it's just you pointing, that's it. But there's more behind it than that. More behind it than that. Our mother Aisha, may Allah be pleased with her, became upset and jealous over our mother Sophia. And she say, Ya Rasulullah, hasbuka min Sophia. It is enough Sophia like this. It's enough Sophia like this. Meaning, she's a short lady. The Prophet says, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, laqad qulti. You said a word, qulti, laqad qulti karimatan lo muzijat bima al-bahr If you were to take that word that you said, that she's short, and you mixed it with the water of the ocean, that would pollute the water of the ocean. What about words like he's a kafir? What about words like he's an innovator? What about words like you get upset with someone and the person is called a sharmuta, prostitute? A whore, someone says about someone, you Yahudi or something like that, out of anger. 
And all she did was point it and say, she's a short person. She's a short person. So we have a number of that. Those kofar about the believers, when the believers pass them by, those people, they make faces. And Allah pulled them up on that. The Prophet ﷺ said it's not befitting for a prophet to have an eye that plays games with people. As Allah mentioned in the Quran, يَعْلَمُ خَائِنَةُ الْأَعْيُنُ Allah knows that eye that plays around. That eye you make, let somebody know, I was just joking. I wasn't serious. With the different tafsirs that scholars gave about that particular ayat. So actions in Al-Islam, statements in Al-Islam, isharat and movements where you do things like you want to show someone is not smart and you do like that, like he's crazy and things like that. Although you didn't say anything, that stuff is riba, that stuff is buhtan, it's all of that. So we have to make al-muhasaba on and with ourselves. All right, we're going to stop here, inshallah, azawajal. If you brothers have any questions, you can put your questions forward. Fadl yahi. When the Nabi was praying, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, people gave him salams, he took his right hand and he acknowledged them coming in. He acknowledged them with his hand. So all you have to do is acknowledge him with your hand, which is a proof and a delil that you are allowed to move in the prayer. Our brothers from the Ahnaf and other people like that, that fiqh that some of them have is a fiqh that many times goes against what is established. You can't move. Once you start praying, if you move three times, your prayer is null and void. If you move more than once, your prayer is null and void. If you move once unnecessarily, your prayer is null and void. Unless you're yarning, where do you get that from? So you just acknowledge the salams. Any more questions, Ikhwani? Next week, inshallah, Sunday, the class will be suspended until the 26th of January. Until the 26th of January. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika ashadu an la ilaha illa ant astaghfiruka wa tubu ilayk. This recording was produced by Green Lane Masjid. For more information on the activities and services the mosque provides, please visit www.greenlanemasjid.org.